I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Travis Hill. Travis is an active duty Marine stationed in California. Uh, his investing journey started 23 years ago while living in Las Vegas. So I'm actually going to stop there, Travis, because your, your bio is very cool. I'm really excited to hear your story. But first, let me just say thank you for coming on the podcast. I, I appreciate your time. Uh, you are most welcome, but it's definitely my honor and privilege. Uh, thank you for having me very much. Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you for your service. Uh, always always a big, big honor to, to speak to the military. Um, why don't we just let you tell us your story? Give us your background as much as you want. Start back as far as you want and uh, okay. we'll, we'll go where it takes us. All right. Uh, so my investing journey started, like I said, about 20 some years ago, early 20s. And um, my fiance, now wife, was a loan officer in Las Vegas. And she says, hey, you should try this real estate thing. It's pretty cool. And so much in early 2000s, right, all of the um, communities in Las Vegas are all track homes. And so I would buy, come into a community, buy the, the second biggest house in phase one, house hack it before it was house hacking. And then phase six, every, every, every phase release, they, you know, add 10 grand or whatever the amount was. Right. And so by phase six, phase seven, I'd refinance, I'd rent it out, and I'd just repeat that process again. Joined the Marine Corps in 2003, uh, continued to purchase some property, and then the Great Recession happens, and I'm deploying in Iraq, I'm deploying to Afghanistan, we're living in North Carolina at the time, and by 2011, we are wiped out. Our reserves are gone. We are Dave Ramsey beans and rice, and we short sold all of our properties. And um, it was a really, really humbling experience to be early 30s, three kids, one on the way and stuck back to like one government paycheck. And I came in the Marine Corps enlisted. And so, you know, going from an engineering firm making six digits to now making like 19, 20,000 a year was it was uh, it was tough. It was really tough. And then not only as a husband, as a, you know, as a father, but just like, man, I got to I got to start over. And what do we do? And like, how did this work? And then so took a hiatus, right? Kind of fast forward 2018, met some individuals, got into a, a veteran and active duty mastermind group with David Prey and from Military Millionaire. Right. Met Stu Grazier and David Gutierrez with Storehouse 310 and through them started investing again, which then turned into some commercial multifamily, which then turned into syndications, which then turned into private lending, which then turned into land, equity being an equity partner in, which then there turned into um, investing in some short-term rentals. And now it's passively and actively in 126 units and um, still active duty. So just super, super grateful that um, I'm in this opportunity and as a family, you know, we're talking about real estate, we're seeing real estate, we're just, we're just engaged and it's, it's beautiful, very, very fortunate thing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people I think started 
a lot of people that at least that I've been lucky enough to interview have started their investing journey the last say say 10 years even right so after the great recession um a, a smaller number of them lived through it and i think that uh it, it creates it creates a really great perspective on you know sort of the highs and lows of the market having you know sort of gone through that that really difficult time and and my understanding i i got sort of lucky in the sense that i i was semi-investing before the recession um and then and then uh went to vet school and got away from it for a little sort of at the right time like just luck pure luck i was not this wasn't like a smart i knew what was going to happen sort of thing just the timing of it so i got lucky in that sense but but i i saw what happened to a lot of people um and my understanding is vegas was one of the hardest hit places yes at that time uh, right 50% 50% of our, of our homes went, I mean, it lost 50% of value for one of our homes, you know, and, and there was a direct correlation between rent and home price and as home price dropped, the rent dropped. And then, you know, it, it wasn't so much that rent was dropping. It's the fact that people just couldn't afford. And then you're just like, Hey, 1500 bucks to 12 to 10 to nine to please just stay and help us out. Right. Right. Yeah. Please just mow the lawn. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Man, that that's brutal. I'm, I'm sorry that you went through that. The the, I guess, but w- one of the things that I I find is I don't know maybe, maybe a, a common theme amongst real estate investors, people that have that bug, is sure this happened to you, and I'm sure it was a, a an incredibly hard time. And and uh, I'm a big mindset fan, so yeah, we can talk a little bit about you know sort of <laughs> all the mindset things that you went through there. But the the one point first I wanted to make is you didn't stop, right? You, you took a pause, but you're, you're back investing in real estate again. So it, it, and again, I feel like that's it, almost nobody just, even when you get hit with, with a hardship in, on in real estate, almost nobody is like, forget it. That's it. This is, you know, people that aren't in real estate, maybe think that they see, yeah. oh, well, he got hit in the recession. Why would he do that again? And it's like, no, you, you, you learn why it happened and, and you figure out, you know, kind of what, what to go from there. Do you, do you mind kind of walking us through? I, I mean, I'm sure some of that, you know, mindset was just like, Oh God, this, you know, <laughs> as you mentioned, you've got a family to support and stuff. So maybe walk us through some of that, how that, you know, kind of looked for you and your family. You don't have to get, you know, don't get any more personal than you, than you need to. I'm just, I, I'm interested in sort of that, the mindset shift as you went through all of that and and then got back into it. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, well, definitely had I known, right. Like the knowledge wasn't there, right. You didn't have the bigger pockets. You didn't have all the YouTube channels, the, the amount of information that we have now for real estate investors of any niche, right. Or like, just pick your flavor of how you want to invest in real estate. And there is so much information out there almost to the point of saturation. So none of that existed, right. Or at least it maybe did, but I didn't know it existed. Yeah. Um, so had I known what I know now, I would have, the next week I would have started investing again instead of waiting that duration, right? Until 2018. But the mindset was when, I, when we made the decision to start investing again, like my, my, my dad was like, why? You lost everything. And I'm like, yeah, but I know how to, like I can double and triple what I made. 
right? Like why, why would I not? Um, it's very easy. Like I grew up with horses. I went to college on a rodeo scholarship. So when you fall off the horse, you get back on, right? It was very easy for me to be like, oh, this didn't turn out so well. This was a horrible, horrible experience. Was I'm the only one? And did I lose as much as somebody else? No, definitely not. I think you talk to, uh, like you read Rod Cleese's book, like and he lost like hundreds of units, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think he's doing pretty good now. So um, it's just a, it's a, uh, it's the willingness to know that it can be done. And it's the satisfaction of knowing that it is something achievable. It's not so far away that you can't make it happen. And there's power to that, right? There, there's, there's energy to that. And when you know that like, Hey, there's, I am not alone. And I know that I'm not like striking out on my own with no clue. There's other people that have done it. There's other people that have made it be successful and like anything that's great. There's always a roadmap if you're willing to look for it and willing to see it and see those signs and and uh, tokens, if you will, that are that are placed in front of us. Yeah, yeah, and I th- I think it's I think it is Rod Cleef that says that those that those setbacks or whatever he he calls them seminars or something like or someone someone refers to them that way just in the sense that the point being you know okay let's use those as a learning event and then use that information to go forward still, you know, investing in real estate and right. you, you, you're not, there's another quote that I don't remember who said it's like, you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from experience. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you, you kind of realize that, that, okay, things went wrong. Why did things go wrong? Like now everybody knows when, why things went wrong. Like it's yeah. not, it's not a mystery anymore as to what happened. And in hindsight, probably we all should have seen it coming, right? Like it, it was just things were happening that, that shouldn't be happening. Um, and then, you know, so then there's that correction and, and you're right, you know, looking back at it, had you started reinvesting like a day later, a year later, even you, you wouldn't have missed out on, you know, a bunch of that run up. Uh, and, and the same thing, I mean, same way, like, I wish I started sooner too, in, in terms of like really getting serious about it. So people that, that started, you know, got into investing in 2009, 2010 have, you know, crushed it over this last decade. So, uh, it, it, it's a, a lesson in, you know, sort of to just get started, right. To just get started and, and yeah. be smart about and, it. And I think it's important too, like when, you know, other people have asked me like, Hey, like, what did you learn? Right. Well, I realized I was so focused on the ants climbing on the barks of my trees that I didn't see the forest fire. Right. I didn't care about C-SPAN. I didn't care about the bonds. I didn't care about yields or any of those things that mm-hmm. are tied or inversely tied to real estate and, and, and inflation or recession, any of that stuff. Well, great. Now I do. Now I understand and I look and I read and I listen to those parts of the bigger scope of the market because uh, those are all signs and indicators. And of course, again, going back to data, there's so much data. You know, you go to LinkedIn and people are putting in graphs of all this stuff of why this isn't going to be like a 2008, why this isn't going to be like the recession. And, you know, and and the, the data is just insane how much we're pulling because of what we experienced during the great recession. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you sort of spoke to this earlier that when in, you know, back in whatever early two thousands before the recession, even maybe a little bit after the recession, the information wasn't 
as readily available as it is now, right? There wasn't, it wasn't all over social media. It wasn't all over, you know, there weren't YouTube videos everywhere about everything. It, it's, it's kind of at this, at this point in life, it's a little bit ridiculous to, to almost to say, I didn't know, right. I didn't know about that. Like if you want to know, you can know it's, it's, it's there. Right. And it, and, I, and I'm not, you know, I understand there are, there are people that maybe don't have access to a computer or the internet or things like that, but uh, the, the point is, is that it's, it's out there, right? Before it was like, you had to track someone down who knew what they were, you know, you had almost had to talk directly to someone. Now it's like, you can, can oh, pick up your phone and, and, and find out about just whatever you want. Yeah. Um, since you, I think you alluded to it a little bit, let, let's talk about it since you, since you lived through the recession, you lost in, in, in 2008. And now we're at a point in the market cycle where a lot of people are worried, uh, or at least the media makes you think that a lot of people are worried. Um, what are your thoughts on that? What do you, what, what do you kind of think is happening? How, how do you see this going? I know nobody has a crystal ball and that, that, that's, it's just, you know, kind of educated opinion, I guess we'll put it. My educated, my swag, my serious wide, wild, uh, but guess, uh, is it, we know that underwriting is not like it was in 2008. So we know that underwriting is still stringent, right? It's still where it should be. We know that supply is far less than demand, which I don't think it was in 2008. I think that we were pretty even with that. Uh, we also know that, um, Inflation is causing rents to go up. We also know that the interest rate is, is cooling a lot of, not cooling, or at least less red hot or less white hot. Maybe we're like in the blue flame of hotness. Um, we know that that's markets cooled a little bit. We also know that from January to this year, I was listening to CNBC today about, um, you know, basically what the average house is like $450,000 now. And if you take the interest rate payment from January till now, it's like $464 more, you know? So on a, where do you live based on that? That's a lot of money for some people. Uh, but I don't see the market um, doing what it did in the recession because the underwriting, underwriting is still still is what it should be. And uh, we, we're still like, I think like 5 million homes short to get where we need to be. And so that somewhere between five and 8 million people have, yeah. you know, the numbers that people have put out there, but yeah, they, they, there's a tremendous shortage of housing. So, and I think that's like 10 years before, if we stay on the path we're at, it's going to take like 10 years to get to where we need to be. So there's, there's no, it, it's multifamily still good. Single families are still good. And if inflation continues, making our dollar cheaper, then it's going to be with supply chain issues. I mean, baby formula, right? Like, holy cow. Right. Um, I went to in and out and it was like 850 for number one. Like, holy cow. When did it go up? I think it was like six something back in my day. Right. Right. For those of you not in California, that <laughs> is like a big deal here. The for those are. not in California or have never ate an in and out. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a major thing to to people in California. It's a it, it is it is it is a, a serious obsession with Californians. But yeah, sorry, go on. I, yes, I love the for all, for all you Texas folk. It's like not having a water burger or exactly. like you know, yep yeah. It's, it's also good. Water burger is pretty good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's 
I think we're in a good, I, I don't think we're going to have the recession again because of those yeah. factors. Yeah. I, again, like, what do I know? I, I'm not, I'm not an economist. Nobody, nobody really can predict, but I feel like we're actually as, as investors coming into a bit of an opportunity because I think that first of all, like, like, Price, cap rates were so compressed, prices were, were 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 like out of control in a sense. And I think there's going to be, I don't even know that it's necessarily going to pull back, but I don't know that it's going to keep, you know, sort of skyrocketing up from there. And it, it but what it's doing is it's, I think, making some people nervous that maybe aren't uh, as comfortable, uh, not, you know, and so it's just meaning the competition is lower. Right, the competition to to buy the the investment properties, they're still fundamentally the same as they were three months ago. Uh, you have to be careful about your interest rates and make sure you underwrite correctly and conservatively. But but I think that's you know maybe some people weren't doing that before. So if you're doing that before, you just keep doing that now. It's still just a math problem. It doesn't it hasn't really changed. Anything. It's like the number that you plug into the interest rate spot is higher but it's still just a math problem. Are you able to achieve the returns that you want to achieve? Right. That, yeah. And I think really that with down. that, right. Like I just, we just bought a single family uh, property in Cleveland and we're in the middle of refinancing it. Use private money, you know, no, no cash in the deal. Like everything's great. You know, I think after everything's said and done, we're going to have like 6,700 bucks in it. And uh, it allows, like it's a solid base hit. I think it's going to, it's going to cash flow like $264. Well, that's great. Who, who cares? Right. Nothing like wrong with that. Solid, it's a solid base hit. Nothing wrong with that. I could take the extra 264 and that pays my gas for the month. Well, six months ago, pay for my gas. Not in California. Not in yeah. California. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that's, that's something that, that like, okay, cool. And now I got a tenant. It's written for 1250. It appraises for like a hundred, like everything is great. Right. So it's just very, very easy, stupid. And those deals are still out there. Yep. Right. So I think that when we move into the commercial multifamily piece, I think there's that a lot of LPs, limited partners, have been very, uh, they've been eating fat on the hog mm -hmm. because of the yep. way cap rates have been and, and the amount of IR, the return of IRRs, your equity splits, like your return, your annual returns, like all of those things. Great. Fantastic. I love it as an LP. Right. But I think there's going to come a time if things either go up a little bit or continue to stabilize. I think because of those compressed, uh, cap rates that you're going to have some really good conversations with LPs and GPs and see how tight that communication really is, because you're going to have to either on an existing loan, right. Or existing deal, you're going to have to have some come to Jesus moments a little bit. And then on new loans or on new opportunities, you're going to have to kind of have, Hey, these are single digit returns, but cost segregation is still hundred percent until this year goes to 80% next year. If eight if eight point three ish is the inflation percentage right now, would you rather get a nine percent, nine and a half percent return instead of the 12, 13, 14, 15 that you might have gotten in the last three or four years? But now you're only losing maybe one percent to inflation instead of keeping your money somewhere else and losing all of your money to inflation, right? And so it's just a matter of how education, how educated you want to help your LPs be. And then just like say, hey, you're maybe not getting the whole cash flow, but you're you're saving in the in the tax bracket with cost segregation, or you know the the value add, or because of inflation, rents are going up, so we know that it's going to continue to help 
25 bucks here, 50 bucks here on the, on a new rehab unit. So I think that that, those are important things that GPs need to be telling their LPs as they structure these deals, because the better you are at mitigating the most of the risk, the more successful I think you're going to be as a GP. But if you just say like, Oh, we're going to raise rents 125 bucks after rehab the unit, because there's such a great value add. I don't think that's mitigating risk in this type of environment very well. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, the, there's a couple of really great points there. One, one being as an investor, whether you're an active or a passive, you need to know what your, what your risk tolerance is and what your kind of investment thesis is like, do, okay. Do I strictly want cash flow? Because you're going to invest in a different deal for cash flow than you would for if you're just like, look, I want to buy in a big, you know, big market that's that's going to continue to have appreciation and things like that. I may sacrifice on the cash flow in the front end, but on the back end, we're still we still have the best chance to really, you know, add value and, and increase the sale price and and get, you know, get a big bump at the end of sale. You also touched on kind of the the other components. It's not just the cash flow. It's not just the IRR. It's the depreciation. It's the tax benefits. It's it's all of. There's a whole lot that goes into it. And the I think what and I, I'm including myself in this until very recently. But people that don't don't know all of the ins and outs of it in terms of like investing in these types of opportunities, especially as a as an LP, you're there's so much, there's so much more to it than just like what that cash flow number is that that you really have to to kind of really educate yourself on on all of it. And you're right, sponsors, general partners, we're going to have to be better at educating people as far as expectations. Um, you know, one of the things that I like to watch is the people that have been doing it for a long time and doing it really well and seeing what they're putting out in their offering memorandums at this point in their, in their investment summaries and, and the uh, preferred returns, the, the projected IRRs, the equity multiples are lower, right? Just, just being, uh, being conservative, being on a realistic side, because if they outperform awesome, right? Like if you outperform your perfections, your, your projections, awesome. But if you, underperform them because you're still trying to, you know, you're being too aggressive. I, I think that's, that's much worse. And those people that have been doing it, they can still put out those offerings with lower projected returns and have no problem filling their capital, their, their equity raise. It's, it's just, it, it, it's something that, that I think is a really kind of, I don't know, helpful thing for me is to just watch, watch the people that have been doing it for a long, long time and doing it very, very successfully and, and, and watching them even as I'm, I'm saying that as an LP, just watching them being invested in their deals and, and saying, well, this is, this is a smaller projections than the last one I invested in. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, that's just, that's just the landscape right now. Yeah. I think um, one thing that I'm seeing more of too, is I'm seeing uh, tears. Mm -hmm. tiered, yep. tiered returns, which I haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and tiered returns, like I saw one the other day, uh, it was $100,000. You got a 9% return, but no equity. And then mm -hmm. another one was you get a 7% return to $50,000 and then you get an equity split. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. There's, there's, you can do all kinds of different investor classes or something like that, where it's like truly a, a, a debt equity section basically. And then, and then your other, uh, where you have equity, you get to participate in the, in the sale proceeds. Um, I, there's also people that are doing different classes for the amounts invested, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a, you know, someone's bringing a lot more capital to that, they might get a higher preferred return. So there's a lot of different ways to structure it to kind of make, make it more appealing make it more, um, I guess, universal. So you can have, you know, different, different levels of investors in there, but, but just being conscious of what's going on and, and, and being really careful in that, in the underwriting, as far as, you know, essentially truly being conservative and not, yeah. not trying to push the envelope. Yep. You know, I think we can rely on, you know, sort of cap rates continuing to magically compress for another 10 years where we're, uh, that it's been a nice run. Um, well, let, let's talk about your portfolio a little bit. You, you have, you kind of mentioned a, a lot of different things that you're involved with and, um, had, uh, David Prey on, on the podcast a while back it was was great. I love I love what he's doing. I love the content that he puts out. Um, so, what is your? I don't know if you're you you would say that you're you know sort of trying to diversify. Or are you just being opportunistic? What what's your idea in terms of what is your investing investment thesis? I guess I am a, I am one hundred percent a buy and hold investor. My goal I have eighteen years of the Marine Corps. I have roughly four to six years left, I think. That, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. And when I retire, I don't want a W-2 job. My goal is to have enough cash flow from real estate and to include my pension and disabilities that um, you know I can create. I have optionality in my life, which as serving in the Marine Corps and probably most service members will agree we don't get too much of that while we're serving. <laughs> Makes, so, makes sense, I suppose. That that's my goal is to have optionality when I retire from the Marine Corps, and with that optionality, have a selfish and a selfless goal. And my selfish goal is to go the freedom of going where I want and doing what I want for the duration and how I want to do it. And then my selfless goal is contributing to communities local and abroad, and um, you know through service, either. Um, you know, like Habitat for Humanity, um, going abroad, going down to Mexico, building homes. Like I like construction. I'm an engineer in the Marine Corps. I like construction. I like seeing things completed at the end of the day or progress move forward at the end of the day. So I want that, that optionality to be selfish selfish and selfless with that op- the opportunity that, that real estate has created for me. And I, I think that is a well-served life that you're giving back to your community and, you know, bringing my kids along and and helping them see that given of your time, talents, and abilities, you can make the world a better place around you. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, And your, your strategy for, for doing that, for achieving that, you know, I know strictly buy and hold, but you mentioned, uh, you know, invested in land, you're, you're doing some private money lending kind of all. So are you looking at that from a, you know, so I guess my question comes from the standpoint of some people say, oh, you have to really focus, you know, like hyper niche down, right? You do this one thing, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, I sort of believe in just go with the opportunities that become available. That That's sort of, yes, be 
be hyper-focused maybe where you're going to be the operator. But as far as your own portfolio, it, it does make sense, I think, to, you know, kind of be in, be in different areas and be diversified. Um, how, how have you come upon all of that? Like, how are you finding your deals when, you know, you're, you're, when you're doing all these different things, how does that kind of fall into your lap? 100% networking. 100%. I just continue to talk to everybody that I know at work or through social media or, you know, just whatever meeting people locally here in town, like, Oh, what do you do? Oh, I, I'm, I invest in real estate. Oh yeah. Where? Oh, I invest in Cleveland and Milwaukee and Texas and Florida and Arizona. And I think that having gone through the experience of having only single family homes in Las Vegas and losing all of them, uh, I don't like being so niched down that I have nowhere to go. And so I like the diversity, just like it, you would look in the stock markets, right? Like you're going to own some different sectors of stocks, different um, types of, you know, you're going to diversify your stocks. Why can't I diversify my real estate? I don't have a problem being an equity partner in land in Arizona yeah. or buying some single families in Cleveland and then some multifamily in Milwaukee or a short term in, in, uh, in Florida. Like those are all means to accomplish my goal of being financially free without having a need for W2 when I retire. So if opportunity goes, if an opportunity presents itself because I am trying to put that into the universe, the universe answers back with an opportunity. Well, that's what, how people talk about luck, right? Was it opportunity plus preparedness equals luck? Yeah. Well, if the universe gives you the opportunity and you're not prepared, well, then you never get to say you were lucky. And then that just yeah. kind of defeats the purpose of working your butt off and networking and communicating and being on podcast with you. And, you know, that's, that's opportunity. Make it happen. Yeah. And that, I, that's exactly right. And the last thing you said, you know, kind of make it happen. You, you can sort of create your own luck, right? It's, it's, it's not, you, you don't just sit there passively and sort of waiting for life to happen to you, go out there and, and, you know, build the life that you want, uh, for, yes. for yourself and your family. Um, Travis, I think that's a, a really good transition point, I guess, to the, to the part where I get to ask you the, the questions that I like to ask every guest. Um, the first one, I, I feel like maybe you've touched on a little bit, but, um, related to the name of the show being know your why. So, so what is your why? What, what really drives you? My why is all about keeping an abundant mindset of giving back, of being someone that's worth knowing. I don't think, I think, I think sometimes this world is all about being well-known and I want to be an individual that is, and has an abundant mindset. And, you know, the Jim Rohn quote, right? If you spend your whole life helping people achieve their success or helping you what they want, then you're always going to get what you want. Yeah. My grandfather, um, he was 95 when he died. And, and uh, one thing that he told me, he's like, Travis, always provide value provide value first for people, find the value first. And what's I always thought was interesting and I didn't realize this until after he died, but he never said anything about money. Never once. Yeah. And then I realized in, in having an abundant mindset and wanting to, you know, my mantra is your success is my happiness is that the money always follows the value. If you look for money first and then try to find the value, you're always, you will struggle. But if you find the value, for others, uh, the money is going to follow. That's just like, I think it's a universal rule. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I, 
you know, I, I don't know, I'm somewhere in a 120 or 130 recordings and never once has anyone, you know, answered that question with, oh, I just really want a pile of money. Like that's yeah. not, <laughs> that's not the goal. That's not, yes, money is a extremely useful tool, important to creating, you know, this, this life that, that people want in terms of time freedom and, and, uh, but, but ultimately also having impact and being able to, 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 like you said, you know, sort of be someone that's worth knowing and having just a, I don't know, positivity and, and ability to kind of be impactful for the people around you. And I think it's just, I, I, you know, obviously I, this is a, uh, a question I love asking because it's the name of the podcast, but I really do. I really do find that it's an important, uh, point. Um, second question for you, Travis, some, tell us something about yourself that is, um, maybe not common knowledge, maybe not everybody knows about you, but, uh, you know, you're comfortable sharing just to let the world know you a little better. Uh, well, most recently, um, well, I think two things, I'll give you something from the past. Uh, I was a child actor. I did a bunch of commercials back when I was a kid Oh, cool! for pizza back in Arizona. Uh, more recent, I'm a, uh, stage three colon cancer survivor. I was diagnosed in 2019. And uh, that has been an epic, epic run of uh, interesting stuff. And we talk, I mean, that's a whole other podcast of mindset, focus, daily actions, you know, like you name it. But uh, that's something that I am being on the other side of the tunnel. I am very, very grateful for. Yeah. Well, I mean, congratulations, uh, you know, getting my, my dad had colon cancer. That's, that's eventually what got him. And it was, uh, I, a hard, obviously a hard thing to watch, but I, you know, fantastic news to like, for you and your family, like that's, that's wonderful to, to hear that you kind of came through. So awesome. Uh, I, I, I think I'm sure, uh, it's, it's probably as big of a thrill to, uh, you as it is maybe more so to your family and, and, and keeping you there. And, uh, that's great. That's really great news. Well, thank um, my condolences for you and your father too. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. It's been a, been a few years, but it, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't fun to go through. So I, I, I feel for, for, uh, your family. Um, and I am happy to have you here today. <laughs> um, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, uh, what's the best way? How, how would you like people to get in touch? Please connect with me on LinkedIn, Travis Hill, also on Instagram, Travis Hill, one, three, one, zero. And also uh, check with me at Travis at ValkyrieInvestmentGroup.com. Okay, awesome. And we'll put all that in the, uh, in the show notes too, so people can find you. Um, final question for you, Travis. What, what is a piece of advice you would give to someone who is, you know, starting out in real estate, trying to make their way and, and uh, just what would you tell them to kind of encourage them and, and keep them going? I would tell somebody that is new to real estate to keep them going is to don't feed the bad dog. We wake up every day with the opportunity to feed two dogs, a good dog and a bad dog. And if you want to be successful in this life, whether it's real estate, whether it's a business, whether it's whatever it is, whatever you're, whatever you figure out what your why is going to be, feed the good dog. 
I love that. I've never heard that before. That's a very, very cool way of putting it. I think, uh, yeah, and, it, and it makes total sense. I, lo I love it. So thank you. Thank you, Travis. Appreciate you being on. I appreciate uh, everything you shared with us. Um, I have uh, a feeling that you'll probably be getting a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, people reaching out to you just to, to touch base and, you know, find out all more about you. So, so thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And I do want to tell you, Hey, congratulations on uh BMW free. That's uh, pretty awesome, man. <laughs> it is exciting. It is exciting. It's uh it's still, it's going to take a minute to set in and it's uh, I get when, by the time this episode airs for sure, it will be official. I technically still have till the end of this week, but yeah. Um, it's uh, it's, it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm excited, I'm <laughs> excited, nervous, uh, all the, all the things you can feel about it, but, but thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. Awesome. We'll go ahead and sign out. Uh, have a good day, everyone. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.